When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and then use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Luke Stuckmer, Cody Del Mendo, and Jared Willis with you. Ryan Herrera, hopefully, will be joining us live from Arizona at some point in the podcast. Uh, he's been doing some great reports out in Mesa, Arizona for us. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube page so you're not missing anything. And when you're at it, please give us a positive five-star review and a bunch of likes and all those things. Um, But again, the YouTube feed is the best way to take in the whole experience. We love people that are also listening to just the podcast the old-fashioned way. But if you want to be part of the live chat, 120 live, be here for the shows and you can be part of the show with us, which is what we really, really want as well. Uh, guys, we're what thirty-eight days away from real baseball. Thirty-eight. No and, one's and counting. It's sort of warm outside. Uh, dare I say, it feels like we've headed towards baseball season. It's baseball weather for sure. And uh, Luke, as you know, you you bring up this great scenario. Meanwhile, we have Dustin in the chat who's using the hashtag vibe with us that we're oh, trying to you. push. And uh, yeah, that said, immaculate vibes are like here at the moment to start the show with everything you just said with weather this is a great monday great monday for all of us that's right and nothing says hashtag vibe with us uh more than the reports that ryan's been kicking out in arizona with his gear you know every, every video he's putting out he's got three things you need to know from today and the videos come out and what comes out ryan's got a big hawaiian shirt on makes you feel like you could just go grab maybe a pina colada and he's got a shady rays on for you. I mean, he's just he's throwing vibes in our face with every report he does, every every social media post that's coming from CHGO Sports. Everything he's putting out there has some sort of Hawaiian warm weather vibe to it. So I'm a little I'm, jealous. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little jealous of the whole thing. I mean, if you're gonna have to work on a weekend, you might as well be a vibe doing it. <laughs> that's right. I'm- I'm just wondering, knowing what April weather is like here in Chicago, usually we might not be able to get him to come back. No, I can see Ryan just, you know what? Um, leave me here in Arizona. I'll keep my Hawaiian shirts, my sunglasses, and and just stay in the desert. Yeah, well, lie, you know, me and Luke were pretty salty, or at least a little bummed that he was in Arizona while we were here stuck in this weather when he first left, but it's actually been pretty nice while he's been gone outside of like two days. Right. So, I've, I've been out throwing the baseball around in the yard and stuff like that. I mean, we've got spring training right here at my house. I don't know what you need Arizona for. So right. I'm with you. I was a little jealous too at first, like, Oh, come on. He's down there in the warm sunshine, but I'm looking outside right now. Yeah. Can't complain. All the snow has gone. We're paying dues. We're paying dues. That's what you got to do once in a while. You got to pay some dues before the season starts. Makes you appreciate baseball when it does finally get here. Absolutely. 
And like, and also kind of scares me with it being so nice. You know, in April it will be unbearable at Wrigley Field. Like, yeah. the first spoken two. like a true Chicagoan, yeah. we never <laughs> trust it. We're like, it's too nice right now. That means we're gonna pay for it later. Yeah, right. number of times over under number of times Ryan will be able to wear one of those Hawaiian short sleeve shirts in the month of April. I'm gonna set it at one, maybe if he wears something underneath yeah. it and a jacket. Yeah, if he's got like a hoodie underneath it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm never forget like the twenty-one to nothing game against the Pirates last year. It was like seventy seventy degrees in an April game on a Saturday. Felt like July out there. I was I yeah. was at that game. Mm-hmm. That would have been the one time in April last year that Ryan could have wore his Hawaiian if he did. That's right. I was at that game too. I remember thinking like, speaking of vibes, that day had all the vibes. Weather was good. <laughs> You know, Cubs yeah. win big. Yeah. If you just pretend this season is just that one day, it was spectacular. Right. <laughs> yeah, we had a St. Patrick's Day like maybe, I don't know, 12 years ago or something like that that was in the 80s, and people just completely lost their minds around here. It was like everybody thought it was midsummer, and it was it was the craziest St. Patrick's Day I can remember in Chicago. But 38 days away from real Cubs baseball, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the potential roster crunch and, and some position battles that are going on. You know, we've mentioned some of them. We know third base is obviously one of them. Um, but Ryan had a report, you know, this weekend talking about just that fifth starter spot. And when we had the Wesneski interview here on the CHGO Cubs podcast, we talked a little bit about it, like how he has he has the opportunity there to try and grab that fifth starter spot with Kyle Hendricks being injured right now. And you saw, especially his last five or six starts after he came to the Cubs at the end of the season, ERA around two, he was, he was spectacular. You're right. His first mm-hmm. outing was great. And then at the end, he was really, really good in those starts. Um, so Wisniewski is certainly a guy to keep an eye on, but we've also mentioned that possibly he could lose out to Adrian Sampson and, and David Ross addressed, the fact this weekend that it would be a multiple person competition for that fifth starter spot. Javier Assad, Sampson, Wesneski, some other guys as well, too. Um, and, and I saw the Sampson quote um, that Ryan just had out uh, in his article at allchgo.com talking to Adrian Sampson, talking about sort of the fire that he has. You know, he's, he plays with a little bit of an edge of all the – I think Wes Nesky has it too, but Samson definitely kind of has that red ass mentality a little bit. He says, talking about David Ross, he says, he knows it's a strength of mine to kind of me be a little fiery and use that to my advantage. There's a line you got to not cross and be able to balance it and try to not get too emotional out there. As I've gotten older, I think I've learned how to teeter the line, but not cross it. Adrian Sampson. So my question for you guys is, Adrian Sampson, after what you saw last season, is it possible that we're so in love with Wisniewski and his potential and what he showed us early on? Are we overlooking Adrian Sampson and what he did last season? Is that possible? I think so. I think a lot of people are just like completely forgetting what that guy did. He was he was a quality start machine. Our guy, uh, the godfather, Michael Collada in the chat, he always complains about how there's no one on this on this starting rotation that can go five, six innings. 
Adrian Samson did that all kinds of times last year, especially in the second half. And it wasn't even just for a second half. He was on the Cubs, I think, in in May. I think that's when he got called up from, from the minors. Um, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be better than a fourth or fifth starter, but he was definitely an innings eater, and he was he was productive. To me, he's earned he's earned the first opportunity to be at the back end of the rotation. And and I'm someone who's as high as anyone on Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, and I've said that when we when we did the show with Wisniewski on, you know, again, I'm as high as anyone on him. But to me, this is a great chance for the Cubs to prove that the pitch lab really is something, which I think it's proven it. But um, if if this team can be good this year, it'll get some national attention. But uh, you know, if they can, if they can get qu- more quality starts out of Adrian Sampson, a guy that they paid nothing for, that they that they DFA'd before, if you're able to 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 use that guy as as your fifth starter, like that's that's when you're you get around, and you start thinking about how you're playing with house money and how you're able to just develop guys, and you don't need to go out and spend you know, more than $5 million on a fifth starter every year. Because if you can you can help guys like Adrian Sampson, who have been like, you know, journeymen basically for the most of his career, and then help, like, it seems like maybe he has found a home here. Like, if he continues what he did last year, then you're like, why would you want to lose someone like that when you're paying him nothing? If you can continue to do that year in and year out, find guys like that, that you're able to bring the best out of them, as Tommy Hadovy likes to say, then you're you again. You're playing with like house money when it comes to just like developing and being able to spend more money on more important things. So that's the way that I kind of look at it with Adrian Sampson. Again, I'm not saying that he's gonna be some like ace or anything like that. I just think he's perfect for the number four, number five role, and um, I think Wesneski will will be in there at some point. But I don't think it's going to be because Adrian Sampson loses the job. I think Wesneski gets in that in that rotation because of an injury or if someone underperforms. And I just don't think it will be Sampson unless he just completely loses everything that he had last year. He was he was that good to me. So, yeah, I think and to piggyback on that just a little bit, I think it's also worth considering as well the reality of you know, the where you stand with player options with some of these guys, because that drives a lot of the decision-making too. I mean, it's, you know, it's not as, as cool or as fun as talking about like who's having the best spring, because sometimes it, it does boil down to who is it easier for us to send a AAA and have them start the season there because we know we've got some options on them so that if we've got to call them up later because somebody gets hurt, we need a spot start. It's a lot easier to do that with Hayden Wesneski. Um, and so I think that's a, a, a huge factor as well, uh, cause Cody, you're right. Like what Adrian Sampson has done, um, has in my mind, he, you should be kind of going into these spring training games. What on Saturday, I think is the first one kind of looking at him like he's your fifth starter already. And then, and you're going from there. And then some of these other guys like Assad, Wisniewski, you're really looking at them more like depth options that are going to start the year in AAA because that's a lot more realistic at this point. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the flip side of it is Cody says, you know, if you can get Samson to take that job and be that guy uh, because you pulled him 
out of nowhere and you're not paying him big money, that's good for the organization. And the flip side's great for it too. If Wesneski is just so electric in the spring or starts the season briefly in Iowa and is just so good, they're dominating so much that you have to bring him up. Well, that's that's good for the organization too. So I think it, it's a great decision to have. I think the competition is going to make both guys better. The question I have is, can I trust that Samson is going to be the guy that he was the second half of last season? Can he repeat that? You know, and, and we know that most likely, even if Wesneski turns out to be the real deal and a frontline starter someday, the odds of him not going through some sort of little bit of a roller coaster ride early in his career are pretty high because that's what it is for most guys. They, they go through adjustments. The league makes adjustments to them. Um, and the ones that don't have to do that very often turn out to be the great players. Um, so, but my question with Samson is just whether or not he can repeat it, you know, and mm -hmm. I think the stuff about he likes to play with that fire a little bit. It, it's sort of interesting because I, he's, he's had to prove himself, right? He's, he's trying to prove, Again, I'm I'm sort of questioning whether or not he can do it again, which is the sort of thing that just drives a guy like like him. It, he's he's got that chip on his shoulder because he's been DFA'd, because he's been sent down, because he's played overseas. So the odds of him thinking I've made it, I've arrived, and then just falling back into some comfortable couch and throwing the ball to home plate, not very good. Mm. He's a guy that's taking the tough road to get to the majors and he wants to stay there. And so I do think in some ways that is a bit of an advantage for him. And I think he's realized it and he's using it, which is what you want a lot of your players to see. You don't want them to just, I think go back to when the Cubs were calling up the first set of guys in 2015. And it was prove that you deserve to be here. You're not, we're not just going to hand you that. Some of it was, you know, tinkering with the roster and, service time but some of it was also you have to show us that you belong staying here right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and uh yeah I, I wanted to add uh with samson he had 19 starts he made 19 starts last season 14 of them he went five innings or more and seven so of them were at least six so if you want to talk about actual technically quality starts he had seven quality starts in 14 where he went five innings or more. So what five bad starts, I guess you could say out of the 19. Um, like I said, I think he's earned the opportunity and I think Wesneski has filthier stuff. And I, I do think he is his better, but kind of based off what Jared said, you know, you don't want to just throw a guy like that into the fire. We've seen teams do that. I feel like the reds are a great example. Like Hunter Green comes up last year, like makes the opening day roster, number one starter, whatever, top three of the rotation, number one pick, like high, like throws 103, something like that. And what happens? He gets, he's getting, he gets shelled like his first, like honestly all season. He gave up more home runs than anyone else. I'm pretty sure in the majors. I could be wrong about that. You know how I am. Dell metrics. But again, like we're talking about a guy who actually has like high, high upside and like, expectations and the Reds just threw him in the fire and, and he wasn't good. And so you can look at all, you can look at the stuff and all that stuff. Uh, 
but even even the guys who are highly touted don't exactly just like click like that. Some like the special ones do. You want to talk about like Steven Strasburg is major league debut. He had struck out like 14 dudes on national television for the nationals. That was also like 12 years ago, whatever. But like, you get what I'm saying though. Like with Wesneski, it's to me, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, I'm not saying coddle him, but you can't just assume that he is going to continue to do what he did in September last year. And you got to pick the right spots for him to have success. And I just, he, again, he would just have to blow our minds, blow our minds insanely in March for us to, for, for me at least to think, okay, this guy is going to be there. And now I know I said at the end of last year that, oh, this guy, he, you should, you should put him in the rotation. Well, that was before they signed Tyone. That was before, you know, they brought Smiley back and that was, before you know, we saw we saw some of the growth of these other guys that they have, and 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 you know, didn't really know if Samson was going to be here. Well, he's here, and like to me, Wesneski hasn't pushed himself in there yet. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like what we talked about with other players as well on the position player side, Magical, for example. And I'm not comparing the talent level of Magical and Wesneski, but Magical is going to get playing time based off the success that he has, and Wesneski just based off the fact that they just have a lot of starting pitchers right now, to me, he just hasn't really fully earned that chance. But again, if he blows our mind in March, then throw him out there. Like I'm I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. Like I ain't going to be mad about it. But to me, it's Samson has just kind of earned that chance. And yeah, the, the attitude and all that just, he seems like a guy that you can feel comfortable going out there and, Hoping you get five innings out, and you well, can't like. Are you, what else can you ask for from that from that role on a consistent basis? Yeah, and I, I think that's an important thing to like key in on is what spot in the rotation you're imagining Samson taking, and what do you typically expect from that pitcher? And if you've got somebody who, yeah, can consistently give you five or six innings a start, um, that by itself is huge from your back of the rotation starter. And, you know, you mentioned he made 19 starts last year. How many starts does a, you know, number four, number five guy typically make across a full season? Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot more than that. You know, he probably touches 30 under normal circumstances or somewhere in that range. And so if you're somebody who's giving you, you know, project that across a full season, somebody who's going to give you 20, call it 22 starts of at least five innings. And the toll that that takes off of your bullpen, the pressure that it takes off your bullpen on a consistent basis, that's stuff that adds up during the course of the season and that you see the product of more, you know, come August and September and things like that. So that's part of the reason, too, where I'm, I'm real high on Samson as that option, um, because I love the mentality. I love that quote, because, you know, you any guy who talks like that, it reminds me of John Lester. I love it. So. That's there's a lot of reasons why I'm, I'm big on Samson, even though with Wisniewski the potential is real. I think you've got time to just pump the brakes a little bit, right? All right, we're going to get to uh, more of the potential roster crunch and position battles. The Cubs have added some depth again at third base. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but Cody, I want to know uh, how your Draft Kings weekend went. I went 10 and 5 oh. betting on uh, college basketball this weekend. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, and I again, all on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official uh, betting partner of CHGO and All City. Uh, had a parlay that hit. I did a four-team money line parlay. Three of the four schools, I don't know where they're at, but, you know, sometimes you just know something's stuck. You know what I mean? Uh, $10 to win 50. It was great. Um, you know, we've talked about – I've talked about college basketball all uh, off season. Obviously, baseball's coming up. I had a, I got a couple free bets, and I put them on the Cubs already. I got Cubs at plus 650 to win the division. Cubs at plus 310 to make the playoffs. I'm all in. I'm all in, Tom and Jed. I'm all in. I'm ready to be hurt again. Uh, and uh, thankfully, these are free bets. So if if, if if everything fails and every and, and Michael Collada looks at us and says that we are we all fell for it again, then at least I didn't really lose any money because of it. Um, anyway, so you, you can you can place those bets like me. All you gotta do uh, is download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, just like Luke did for the Super Bowl, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Very nice. Yeah, I'll, you know, I, I wasn't going to bring up the Super Bowl. I had a good time, but, uh, you know, since Cody brought it up, I was successful. I was successful. Uh <laughs> You, you would not, you, you almost talked about it the entire show last Monday, Luke. Yeah, but then I took the week off. I took the week off to celebrate and uh, now, now I'm back to reality. Uh, So let's get, let's get to the other position battle or another one of them, I should say, or maybe it's just a roster battle because when I, when I think of third base, still the first name that pops into my mind is Patrick Wisdom. Now I, I don't think Patrick Wisdom is in any danger of missing out on this roster because he brings probably more power than anybody on the team. Okay. So I think Patrick Wisdom, unless he's traded for some reason, is on the roster. I don't think he's battling for a roster spot. Could the numbers, and I was asked this on Twitter. I, I, in fact, I see Gary is asking it here in the chat as well. He asked me the same question on Twitter. Serious question. Is it possible that both Morrell and Magdrigal start the season in the minors, if not traded, the current roster bench doesn't really allow for them to get great playing time thoughts. Do you think it's possible that it comes down to those two guys? And do you think it's possible that both Madrigal and Morrell would be left out of the mix? I don't personally believe so. I think maybe one of them is, but I don't think both are. I think between I, I'm with you. I don't think both of them. I can't envision a scenario where they're both in the minors. Between the two of them, I think the one that's more likely is going to be Morell. Um, and a lot of that has to do with age and experience. You know, who's the guy that you you could probably justify saying we want you to go to Iowa and start the season and and work on X, Y, and Z? I think Morell between the two of them. Um, but I do think there's a possibility they both make the major league roster because as you go around and you look at those defensive positions, third base is, I don't know that that's going to be any like one person's job, even with Patrick wisdom in the mix. Um, because there's just, there's a lot of different options. There's guys that need are going to need at bats guys that offer you different things. And so you can find spots for Morel to get starts Madrigal, Madrigal to get starts. Um, and for wisdom to get starts. So there's, you know, there's room to kind of play around lineup wise. And 
um, this this new guy Edwin Rios that they they just brought on board. I think you know adding him into the mix complicates it a little bit further. But yeah, I could see Morel getting sent down. Um, but even in his case, it's not going to be something that's that's lasting. I don't think. Yeah. It's a good question by Gary. He also sent that in the Discord. If you become a diehard, you can also send questions like that in our Discord. Um, Luke, I know you like that uh, that that little transition. I guess you could say that's right. That was beautiful. Make make sure you sign up to be a diehard. In fact, you yeah. know we're also coming up to the one year anniversary yes. of CHGO. So the renewals are coming. Make sure you get that subscription so you get all of the articles from Jared and Ryan and all of mm-hmm. the content we're putting out. A lot more of it is, you know, free and, and out of a behind a wall. So that part is great for everybody. But don't forget, you're also getting the discounts on the, the always have discounts on the merch, always have discounts on our events, on mm-hmm. our takeovers, all of those things. So uh, there are a lot of benefits to the diehard program that pretty much pay for themselves just in the first couple months if you're using yeah. it and i think you will because you'll really like it so right sure and gary gary it. does take advantage of it. he is in the discord all the time i actually feel bad i always miss a lot of the messages especially on the weekends just because i get busy and i have a life and stuff so um gary's pointing anyway. out 13 players uh, and I, I i get where he's coming at especially yeah. with what jared was saying that rios has been added to the roster i don't know a whole lot about him i know he came from the dodgers and he's had some success there. It's just another guy that you look at and say, okay, there's some major league activity there that shows you the guy can get it done. But which one of them will be consistent enough to do it with the Cubs? I I don't know. I, you know, when it comes to one or both of them, I don't see both definitely could see one though, but I lean more magical going down there because I think they would rather they would rather him get more consistent playing time than Morel because with at least with Morel they can move him around. Now they're not going to need to move him around as much because they have Bellinger in center and they have Horner and Swanson at short and second base, so most of his playing time probably will come at third. But you know how David Ross works, especially early in the year with the cold and stuff. Um, you can see some guys getting some rest, and I, I look forward to Cubs Twitter erupting whenever they decide to sit to sit uh, Nico on a random Tuesday, Wednesday game or whatever in April. Like I look forward to it, um, in which they could play Morel in that spot. Uh, I and again, I don't know which one it should be. I, I don't really have an opinion because they're both kind of in the same role. Uh, I think with Morel with higher upside, of course, but. The way I look at Madrigal, if he were to stay, okay, he's coming off the bench. He can be your your guy who can get you a base hit late in the game uh, to start a, a rally, potentially something like that. Um, but on the flip side with Morel, it's like, okay, well, if you don't start him that day, well, you can use him as a defensive replacement at multiple positions. So there's value there. So, yeah, I don't really – I don't know. I don't know which one you'd rather keep up or send down. I think they're both bring value. I, I, I know a lot of people are just done with Madrigal. I get it uh, from a certain standpoint, but the guy does have some value when healthy. And right now he's healthy. He's been in camp healthy. I, you know, so again, I, I think if they did send Madrigal down, it'd just be more about him getting consistent at bats. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I don't know, but 
it is a good question with them adding Rios. And then you got those other guys like Master Boney and, and Ben Deluzio, the outfielder they got from the Cardinals. And, you know, McKinstry is is basically the same type of player that Morell is in a way, uh, except from the left side. So, yeah, they have a lot of guys. I, I do think a trade could be possible. I, I don't know who it would be or uh, or anything like that. But, yeah, they got some dudes that, the roster crunch, unlike last year, the roster crunch this year is more of like, okay, who? what's more important to start the year? I think that's what it would be more telling than like which player is better, I guess. Yeah, and I see Doug is saying in the chat, you know, he wonders if wisdom is being mentioned in trade talks um, because of the addition to Rios. And I've seen someone else in the chat saying, you know, Rios is a starting third baseman quality player on almost every team except for the Dodgers. I think you could also say that about Patrick Wisdom because of the power, right? Like, I think teams looking for power. Some teams are willing to take the strikeouts to get the home runs. I think you could say that about Christopher Morrell if Christopher Morrell develops into the player that we saw flashes of early last season, right? Um, if But it, the, the question was this. Madrigal... Or, listen, I, I don't know. Madrigal or Morell, if it came down to just those two guys, I don't know how they value McKinstry, Mastroboni, all of those players. But if it just came down to the last roster spot for Morell or Madrigal, Jared says he thinks it would be Madrigal because of options and being able to send Morell. That's, that's your first thought. Cody goes the other way. I'm back and forth, but I'm 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 sort of leaning towards Cody's thought, but for a different reason. I still think the Cubs don't have enough power, and if somebody it, it's it's about for me, it could come down to the Cubs evaluating what don't we have. We can stick anybody over at third base. We've made our infield defense significantly better. Third base is going to be what it's going to be. All of these guys if they show they're at least serviceable at third base, what does the team need? Now, if Madrigal can show you that he's going to get on base three times because he's able to start taking walks to go with some hits, it changes things up a little bit. But Christopher Morell has shown you he could be a 20-25 home run guy. Now, that may come with strikeouts just like Wisdom, but well, we know he has more versatility than Madrigal. Madrigal hasn't even proven to us that he can play third base yet. That's that's key to him trying to make this team is, is finding more positions. But we said going into the offseason, the Cubs said going into the offseason, one thing they lacked is power, putting teams away, scoring enough runs. And, yes, they added Mancini. And we hope that Cody Bellinger can rekindle what he used to be as an MVP. But those are still question marks. And you do know that Christopher Morrell can hit the ball out of the ballpark and Nick Madrigal cannot. So yeah. if I had to guess, you know, I'm, I'm right on the fence, but I would say if it came down to one or the two that I think it might be Morrell making a team. I, I just don't know, but I do think it's possible that at least one of them starts the season in Iowa. I don't think they both start the season in Iowa. No. And, that's, no. and that's not going through a list of yeah. like, like, who are the 13 players. Right. Like, I, I, I'm just not to that point because without fail, 
someone's going to get nicked up with a hamstring injury the last three weeks of spring training, and they're going to be taken out of the mix for a while. And then without question, somebody's going to struggle in the spring, and you're going to be able to take them out of the mix. So it's going to work itself out to some degree, but I do think the Cubs are going to have an interesting decision when it's all said and done. This the one thing I'll predict with this for for sure is my guess is this is the very last roster decision that we see made right right leading up to to opening day. Um, I think this is like that week, or a day or two before Thursday opening day. That's when this decision gets made. It's going to be the last one, um, and yeah, it, Luke, it might come down to you know we had our sights set on this guy, but then somebody else is. Yeah, I've got a hamstring or something that's bugging them. They're not going to be able to to start the season on the major league roster, so we we need this guy here. And I know with with Madrigal, there's there's significant variables there. Number one, the big glaring one is the fact that he has yet to show you that he can play a full season and be healthy. That's huge. Um, and number two, you're asking him to play a different position because most of his playing time, realistically, is going to come at third base. Those are two really significant variables. Um, that he's going to have to demonstrate over the next month or so that he can he can get past those. And I think he could he can show you during spring training that he can handle third base. I think that he can demonstrate for the Cubs. The big question mark is going to be, is this going to be a guy who's who's healthy? Because um, not only does he he get injured, but he he deals with things that put him off the roster for lengthy periods of time. Um, and that's yeah, that's a significant hurdle for him to overcome yeah i thought the uh i've seen some of the short videos that come out and i saw one i believe it was marquee talking to him uh madrigal and he was just saying you know i'm willing to do whatever at this point and Mm -hmm. by saying at this point i kind of thought to myself like he realizes this is make or break time for him like you get so many opportunities you only get so many opportunities to make a major league roster and mm-hmm. if this is one of them, he doesn't want to let it slip away. So if they said in the offseason, you better work at third base. He started working on third base. At least he was smart enough to look at it and go, I realize there's no clear-cut guy at third base. And I realize that versatility could be key in this. But there are so many factors when it comes to making that final roster spot. Like you said, Jared, health could certainly be one of them. I mentioned the home run thing. The godfather up there, Michael Collada, brings up another one, strikeouts. It, literally, if everything's equal, it could come down to the Cubs saying, well, who's going to strike out the, the least out of this group? You know, yeah. and, and maybe that ends up deciding it. Because I don't think anybody on the list is so, so far ahead defensively or so far ahead offensively. Nobody has a glaring – other than wisdom clearly has the most power out of the group. Yeah. But if you're able to shrink that gap with less strikeouts and still get some power, maybe wisdom isn't your everyday third baseman. And then, and then maybe he does become trade bait. And and who knows, maybe little things like the defensive shift rules changing and the priority is going to move yeah. toward guys who put the ball in play a little more often. Um, so maybe somebody like Madrigal does become more valuable because he's going to get on base, put the ball in play. Um, ideally, that's, you know, the subtle little things like this can make a, make a significant difference. And 
you know that the the team is is looking at all of that and thinking about who, especially once the games start and and we get to see in spring training what this looks like in reality. Because right now we're still kind of talking about it hypothetically. Um, but once you start to see it put in practice like that, then that might clarify some of these questions more than we're expecting right now. Yeah. Uh, Braveheart 21 says Rios, Morel, or Wisdom at third base, not even including Matt. Well, I, I don't know that Madrigal is. He's not. First of all, I don't know that they have an everyday third baseman. But if the we most don't. likely guy to be there every day is probably Morel Wisdom. Yeah, it's probably one of those three, right? It's it's not Madrigal. Um, I just don't know. You got to throw him McKinstry there, too. He could play some third. McKinstry <laughs> could be that guy, too, yeah. sure. But to me, while I, why I said Madrigal could go to the minors is that I think the Cubs should give Christopher Morrell the opportunity to just make third base his home. He's young, and I know he had his ups and downs as a rookie and everything. He's had a whole offseason to work on it. And I, you know, it's not necessarily throwing him into the fire. It's not like he's a rookie anymore. I I think there's just higher upside if you give him that opportunity for the team for wins, is if, if that guy gets, you know, whether it's a platoon with wisdom, whatever, but I think defensively and offensively, both you, the Cubs have a better opportunity with Morrell playing third base on opening day than anyone else, in my opinion. And I know that that comes with some issues, especially, you know, has he worked on the throwing from third to first base? Like I hope so because <laughs> he's in the running for it. Right. Um, and then, you know, I'm also hoping that wisdom can just get back to being better defensively at third too. I mean, he was, we've talked about it before. He's, been a better he was a better defensive third baseman in 2021 than last year he was not good at third base last year so i don't really know what happened there so i'm hoping we can he can at least get back to middling ground with that uh but to me that when it goes back to those two guys again i i, I just think there's just more opportunity for morell that that's more important than the roster crunch you know what i mean so um Unless the Cubs are going to trade some guy, trade some of these dudes, because i got so many guys right now, trade some of these dudes and bring in a everyday third baseman or something like that, which I know that's what we'd all want, but I don't see that happening now. Uh, you know, it, it's like Luke said last week, like third base could be the Achilles heel of this team if all things don't go right or aren't at least okay. So I, I think you got to give Morrell that opportunity and just hope that he adjusts to what the league adjusted to him. And at the very least, he plays solid defense at third and, you know, brings that energy because he was he was an energetic, uh, energetic uh, you know, guy in the clubhouse and the fans loved him, all that stuff. I, I think all that kind of goes together with him. And so. Yeah, they don't, they just don't have, they don't have Nolan Arenado. They all know that, like, they don't have, Chris Bryant or whoever you want to say is a great third baseman. They don't, they don't have that automatic answer at third base, but what they've done is pile up a lot of names. And yes, Madrigal and Morrell are two of the key ones in that group, but wisdom is there too. And now when you add in Rios, I think I compared it a couple of weeks ago to like when the bears had, I want to say it was 12 tight ends at one time. Okay. <laughs> no, 
At, the difference is none of those tight ends could play. The Bears had 12 tight ends, and you looked at the list and you said, that is a garbage list that's going nowhere. Nobody's emerging out of that list. They have 12 guys that shouldn't be a tight end for anybody other than maybe a backup on a good team. I don't see this Cubs list as that way. I do see potential in multiple options of the guys they have. Do I see the potential for one of those names to turn into Nolan Arenado? No, but <laughs> Nolan Arenado is a great player. Do I think one of them is going to magically turn into Chris Bryant MVP? No, no, I don't. But do I think that one of those guys or two of them could combine to emerge and not make this the Achilles heel of this team? Yes, that possibility is absolutely there. In fact, they could they could take it from a, a potential Achilles to a plus for this team. That 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 potential is still there. Yeah. And but I just think it, the most likely scenario is that at best the Cubs get average play at third base. And that Probably might multiple guys. Yeah. And that might be fine. Yes. I a lot of it, a lot of playoff teams or even just good teams um they they have some spots on the roster that are like that and you know let's go back to the what was the what year did joe madden have the try not to suck i mean oh, maybe so that's I, your yeah. motto for third base is just <laughs> don't, don't be don't, yeah, <laughs> don't be the achilles heel don't bring mm-hmm. us down yeah. um that's the bar and if if other spots though are performing to the levels that are we think that are possible or we think they're capable of, then maybe all you need is two or three guys filling in at third base and making it work and, and you're okay. And then we can talk about options in the future, you know, for long-term. But for this season, maybe third base's motto is try not to suck. Yeah. I see multiple people in the chat now, Doug and Gary going back and forth. Are we as good as Mike Olt? Are we as good as Kevin Ory? I think. Definitely better than Mike Olt. Listen, third base has been, other than Aramis Ramirez and then finally Chris Bryant and Ron Santo way back before that, third base has been trouble. You know, Ron Say was good for a little while, but third base has not been a, a strong spot necessarily. Are they better than Mike Olt and Kevin Ory? I'm confident whoever plays third base will be better than those two guys this year. Yes. Those, those I were, am too. <laughs> But it's it's sort of funny because Kevin Ory was the guy they kept telling us was going to be great, um, and Mike Olt was a guy who was supposed to be a top prospect for the Rangers and got here, and it was it was sort of the Patrick Wisdom thing. It was like this guy was a, a top pick; he could he could be the diamond in the rough. I think Patrick Wisdom has already outdone that scenario, just on what we've oh, seen yeah. and we know we will get from Patrick Wisdom. He's a he's light years ahead of what Mike Olt turned out to be at the major league level. So yeah. yes, I think they're better off than that for sure. I agree. Absolutely. We can live with that. Yeah. And, like I said, with wisdom, I've said it with wisdom before. I, I think, I don't know how much different his numbers are going to be this year, but I, I'll, I'll be willing to go on a limb on this. I think he strikes out less this year. I think the strikeout rate comes below 30%. I think it's at like 29, like it just below 30, not like 25 or anything like that, but I think it'll be below 30 because there's just better players in the lineup and he's not going to be relied on to be like the offensive guy, not going to be relied on to be the only home run hitter in the lineup. 
And um, I think that can benefit him because I just think he's a, a solid role player. And so, yeah, when you ask Luke, is, is Patrick Wisdom better than those guys? Yeah, he has. And they found him. They picked him up off the street. Like, I don't know. Like, so. Yeah, but Neil Barry wants to know, is he better than Ian Stewart? Yes. 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 You have to ask that question. Like, if you're seriously asking that question, I I seriously don't know what to say to you. Like, if you're joking, (laughs) they've got to be joking. Because Ian Stewart's one of the great blunders. He's potentially top two blunders in the history of Theo Epstein. Like, Ian Stewart was a disaster. Uh, did you see that the delivery that Ryan was showing everybody, um, the delivery adjustment from Marcus Stroman? We've been talking about how guys are going to adjust to pitch clock, and now they're going to focus more on Bach, all those things. Can we take a one or two second look? For those of you on the podcast, hang with us for a second because you're going to hear silence or just background noise for like a second. We're going to look at this throwing new throwing motion from Marcus Stroman. And if if you are listening to the podcast, make sure you go back to the YouTube feed, go find it. Around the 45 minute mark at 45 minute mark of this show. Go back. You'll see it. Let's take like a two second look at this, this throw by Marcus Stroman. (laughs) Okay. So there it was. We're back for the podcast. People. What? What is that? I just think it's a it's, it's a way to get hitters off balance. That's the only thing I can come up with. <laughs> and and you've seen the you've seen a few other pitchers in the past who have done things like that. I think Johnny Cueto is the the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind. He's he's known for he's got a few different varieties of that that he does. And if I remember right, I think that didn't Kenley Jansen do something along those lines where he would kind of bring his left foot down or his lead foot. Um, and would kind of hesitate right before hitting the ground with it. And then, you know, so there was that half second hitch in the, in the delivery that's enough maybe to throw off a hitter's timing. Because I do recall that 2018 or 2019 when Carl Edwards tried messing around with that for a little bit and it just didn't work for him. But so there's a few pitchers who I think we've seen, you know, kind of playing around with hitches in their delivery because it throws off a, a hitter's timing. And that's really what it's about is – as long as as the pitcher, if you can maintain consistency in your delivery, then do whatever you want. Um, but then it throws off what the hitter is looking for. And and if there's variety, because then if if Stroman goes out and does that every single time, then it doesn't. It kind of negates itself because right. then the hitters just know, okay, this is part of his delivery. But if he can find a way to incorporate that some of the time, then it could be an effective weapon. Even though watching it makes me reminds me of you know Charles Barkley's golf swing, um, so it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing, but maybe it gets the job done. Yeah. Well, I think part of part of the new Bach rule, I, I see Dubs in the chat asking about, is it a Bach? Part of the one of the new things for the rule is they you're not allowed to do the tap, right? The the toe tap is right. one of the things that they're so he's not he's not tapping. It's just like a full body dry heave as he's throwing the ball. <laughs> to the plate hey it's cool that he's working on this is the time to work on those things one thing that always worries me about a pitcher trying to do something like that and you know he he could stop doing it tomorrow he could just be playing with it for a couple days and then be like yeah i can't really 
Because like Jared said, you you can't use it all the time. It's just got to be something you throw in in a moment where you think some guy's not ready for it or has been locked into your timing. Um, I worry about a guy doing that if he's pitching well and then somehow that one goofy throw gets him out of sync in what he was doing. Now, I, I guess if a guy's struggling anyway and he's getting hit around or something in it and he does it once – yeah, maybe it has the alternate effect, but I, I don't think it works that often. I, that's why I don't. I don't think you see a lot of guys do it. There, there's so much about arm slot and repetition. Like Kyle Hendricks' entire career is built around repetition, like hitting the exact slot for the arm that he needs to be. Everything has to be just perfect. Doing something like that. I, you'd have to ask the pitchers it's, more, but it, it's risky. It's yeah. not easy. And Let everybody do it. And it's also the kind of it's the kind of thing too where it's February twentieth, and we're getting our first taste of like any any real baseball action. So we tend to sometimes to latch on to stuff. Who knows? He's Marcus Stroman might be just kind of messing around with it um, because you know we haven't even started spring training games yet, and he's like, let me just kind of see what this feels like. Um, I hesitate to even bring this guy up, but it's like, you remember when Trevor Bauer messed around in spring training with closing one eye when he was pitching and there's guys that just do stuff like that, um, just to kind of experiment with things sometimes, but we do. Yeah. We've got a tendency in spring training early on, especially to, we get sort of stuck on things and we, we maybe make too much of it. Perhaps there's writers you know, for the Dodgers right now who are getting really excited about Jason Hayward and his brand, you know, his swing that's been yeah. fixed. And uh, we'll see how that works out. But, uh, but yeah, it, this could be the kind of thing where, okay, Stroman's doing this thing with his delivery. And then once the season comes, we never see him do it a single time. Who knows? Right. I guess this the one thing Fernando that I would... I'm sorry, this isn't Fernando Valenzuela back in the day used to look up to the heavens on every single pitch. This is somebody trying to do this. Mm two or three times a game, 10 times a game, like however often he would want to put it. Somebody just, Doug just mentioned now Fernando Valenzuela too. That, that he, he did the look up to the sky every single pitch again, not easy, but I guess if it's part of his mechanics in every single pitch, it's easier to do that than it is to randomly do it on one pitch. I'm sorry, Cody, I interrupted you. I was just going to say, as long as it doesn't ruin his mechanics, like if he does it in the middle of the season and doesn't work, and it ruins his mechanics and it leads to one or two consecutive bad starts like and it becomes a lingering thing which i i think that's the worst thing that could happen which i don't envision it happening because it's marcus stroman and he's been doing this for a long time but that's the only thing about it that like in the back of my head i'm like well you want me to you want me to give you a negative reaction to it that that's what i that's what i'm thinking but he's uh marcus stroman is He's a pitcher, not like he's not like he's ever thrown gas or anything like that. The guys, the guy does this kind of stuff all the time. So, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do, man, I'm, I'm hoping for it's, it's not even really a bounce back year for him. It's just like a full year. His first half last year was kind of, you know, up and down. He got he hit the COVID list and then he got hurt. And, you know, but the second half of last year was great. Showed why the Cubs gave him all that money. Uh, and so I'm hoping that he can take that into this year and, uh, you know, just give us a full 30 starts, solid, not asking for like ace, but I'm asking for like just very, very solid 
top of the rotation type guy. So. He's just a guy looking for an edge. And our speaking of guys, our guy Ryan Herrera is almost ready. We're going to do a quick uh, read on DraftKings, and we'll get to the Hawaiian wearing Ryan Herrera in Arizona. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of CHGO in all city. I won those Super Bowl bets Sunday, took a week off. Now I'm looking at major league bets. I'm, I'm going to give myself a little breathing room. I, so I was already looking at futures and trying to figure out, okay, I, here's here's two that – Jump to me. Cubs plus 2,000 to be the last team to lose. Okay. Cubs plus 5,000 to be the first team to 10 wins. And the only trick about that is I think you would probably want to take an East Coast team because they're all things being equal, they're gonna their game's probably gonna finish before the Cubs 10th game would finish. And out there. maybe a southeast team too. Weather yes. is a factor as well. If we're gonna really get granular here. <laughs> That's right. And how about how about this one? Like, you know, last year I kicked myself all season long because as we were getting ready to start the season, I told Cody and Ryan in our preseason predictions, I said Kyle Schwarber is going to lead the National League in home runs. And I didn't have my account set up and I never placed the bet. And I regretted it all season. So Kyle Schwarber this season plus eleven hundred to be the home run king for all of baseball. Got a battle with Aaron Judge there. He does, but what if Aaron Judge gets hurt? All of the sudden, Kyle Schwarber is potentially in the driver's seat. Yeah, or just has – I mean, it's hard to replicate 62 home run season, it right? Sure, that's another thing. It sure is. <laughs> it sure is. And there's a lot of there's a lot of protection for Kyle Schwarber in that uh, – anyways, uh, I, I, I'm thinking about that bet too because I don't want to make the same mistake two years in a row. So download the app right now. Sign up with the promo code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, just like I did. I used them all in the Super Bowl, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official partner of the NBA with the code CHGO. Minimum age and uh, eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Is, what do you think? What, what, are the, what's, what are the odds here? Is Ryan wearing Hawaiian? We haven't seen him yet. Boom! You got there, he is. there it is. And he's got the he's got the one mic, whatever that thing's called. The one mic. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little it's small one. Mic. Look at that yeah, little, little teeny tiny one. Yep, yep. Yeah. Also, five, you said something five, about five. you said something about Hawaiian Ryan Herrera. I said I was thinking about. It. I'm like, you know what? This is the Hawaiian era of Ryan Herrera, <laughs> and I thought that sounded really cool. <laughs> yeah he's got a, he's got like what appears to be a tiny lavalier mic for those of you yep. who are audio experts it, it reminds me of bob barker on prices right back in the day i said we needed to get one of those just like a little pen just like a little yeah. pen one. we need one all the lipstick R- mic i believe yep. anyways ryan how it looks like it obviously it's warm there uh, we, we can see that um you want to give us I, I thought about calling your segment today Weekend recap with Ryan Herrera. Stuff that you saw that's important that we all see because, again, people are out doing things on the weekend. Um, I, I know that you had uh, multiple updates. One of was where Keegan Thompson's going to be this season, and Adbert Alzali's already had a bullpen. Yes. Uh, so Adbert Alzali threw a live BP yesterday. Um, he struck out the first three hitters he faced. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was included Nelson Velasquez, Kevin Alcantara, and Jared Young. Um, so 
a couple of hitters you might see, maybe even all, you know, probably two of them, two of them played for the Cubs last year, right? So they are technically major league hitters, right? Um, and another one who is a uh, top prospect in the system. So um, struck out the first three guys he faced. Uh, actually had, you know, he had a really nice bullpen, uh, live BP, actually. Um, he, I talked to him today, actually, and we talked about just, you know, knowing early in spring training what his role is going to be, right? Like, I, I, the Cubs are still planning to, you know, build him up as much as a, a multi-inning reliever needs to be built up. But they're not they, – they've pretty much made it clear that he, he, he's headed for the bullpen when he when the season starts. Now, obviously, things can change, and you never know what with injuries and, and what might what might happen. Uh, might change plans, but for right now, um, you know, David Ross is looking at Adbert as a bullpen guy. Um, and I talked to Adbert, and he says, like, that's – you know, good. Like as, as as small as that seems, that that's a good thing because now he doesn't have to wonder. Like now he knows what his role is going to be. He knows the kind of. He said he doesn't change his mentality, but as far as his uh, his preparation, and he knows what he's going to have to. You know, the, the pregame routine he's going to have to develop or keep developing, um, stemming from last season. So he wants to be a star. You know, that's what he came up as. But he's also comfortable in the role that he's been given. Uh, he's done it successfully in the past. And he just likes the idea of like knowing early in the spring, knowing what he's going to be expected to do when opening day starts. Yeah, routine sounds like the key word there. Now, Ryan, when we talked to him at uh, Cubs convention, he did he did admit that the thing that gave him the most juice was not just the bullpen role, but the closer role. So you said the Cubs are talking to him, you know, trying to keep him in that hybrid mode where he could do longer innings or even potentially have to start every once in a while. Do you think that limits the possibility of him getting early chances to be the closer? I, th- I think maybe at first, um, you never truly know. Um, maybe they, you know, they have, I mean, Michael Fulmer officially signed by the Cubs today. Um, he's a back end guy that they may choose to use in late innings. Brandon Hughes is in there. Uh, Brad Boxberger is another guy. So they have options for those late inning guys. Uh, I think, the, the goal right now or the the idea is that Elzlai is going to be that multi-inning guy, which would, yeah, limit the, you know, uh, uh, the traditional closer opportunity, save opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he can't go out in the seventh inning and finish a game and get a save that way. Uh, but I think you, you, right now you're looking at he's not going to be the guy that's warming up in the bullpen heading into the, you know, the ninth inning, getting ready to come on close a game, which I, I think he still is comfortable in whatever role he's given. Um, obviously, it's that multi-inning relief is what it's going to be, and you know, he's kind of he's taking it, he's running with it. He had a great live VP, um, and that's what the spring is going to be about: is just getting you know comfortable and acclimated, being in that role. Uh, Ethan Roberts was another one of your updates. I saw he was you know moved to the 60-day with the official addition of Fulmer, but where is he in the progress of his rehab coming back from Tommy John? So he's still he's still a few months away. Um, he had told me that he's throwing up to 75 feet currently. Uh, he's in the first week of doing that, and he will have to continue doing that for a total of three weeks. He said that uh, the progression goes three weeks at each distance, so it'd have to be 90 feet the next three weeks, and then 105, and then 120, uh, and that's when he starts to go from there. Um, yes, yeah, so he's still he's still a ways away, right? Um, for any update, we may not get another update on Ethan Roberts after spring, after spring, excuse me, until you know he's starting to get close to maybe even a rehab or something. Like that's that just kind of feels about how far he is. He says if everything goes well, if the Cubs maybe even let him speed things up because he feels good, that 
maybe even you know September or like late August or something like that um, could potentially even be looking at it. Obviously, that would be a very limited availability from him. They don't want to just throw him right back into full-time reliever mode. Um, but that's like his hope. It's, it, it may not be the likeliest scenario. He may end up missing the year. Uh, we're still we're still further out that we don't know that for sure. Um, but right now he's you know, he, he's he's throwing, which is a good sign uh, coming off Tommy John, uh, and he's still kind of he's still trying to get into that mode where he can eventually start to throw bullpens, face live hitters, and you know we'll we'll see what happens the, over the like the summer. He talked about how this six to nine month stretch uh, from Tommy John surgery or seven to nine month whatever it is is like the most vulnerable the guys are as they're recovering. Uh, he's right kind of smack dab in the middle, but I think he's just past seven months. Um, so he, you know, this is a time where he has to be careful, not, not take it easy per se, but just be careful, don't overdo it, you know, learn to kind of rein yourself in when you're feeling too good. Um, and that's just kind of the, that's that's the mode he's in right now. Anything before we cut you loose here uh, that we really need to know this um, afternoon? If you want to know another example of, you know, why of, of why the Cubs seem to endear themselves so much to free agents and even guys that, you know, leave the Cubs. Uh, Michael Fulmer became official this morning. We talked to him. Uh, he said actually that Andrew Chafin, uh, who we played with last year, uh, who had been on the Cubs the year prior, and uh, Daniel Norris, who was a former Tiger, he said he's one of his best friends in the league. And they said that, or he said that they both gave him great reviews of the organization and that just kind of like locked in the idea that he wanted to be a Cub. Um, so, we keep talking about these free agents or, you know, guys that leave or get traded or whatever it is, still giving glowing reviews of the organization. Uh, and it appears to be continuing. Michael Fulmer's the newest addition, and he's another guy who kind of got convinced to be a Cub by what former Cubs have told him. You love right. to see that from the uh, reliever standpoint. That's where we keep hearing it from is from the reliever standpoint. And that goes back to why I've said that I don't worry about the bullpen because that reputation is, is... – Ryan just explained it, so – uh, all right, we're going to say aloha to Ryan, let him go do his work, and there it is. Aloha <laughs> means vibes. Now we got another one we can add to that. Shady Rays and nice Hawaiian patterns. That is that is the definite vibe right now. One Ryan Herrera. You can follow him under uh, Ryan underscore A underscore Herrera. Uh, we say aloha, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, and real quick, we got like a minute left, but I want Cody to just – get his 60 seconds of what how he dealt with Wilson Contreras kind of saying he wanted everybody to stick it. You know, this is what I got to say about Wilson Contreras. And Luke, how nice of you to like just remind me that we were going to talk about this and then give me a minute to only talk about it when I could easily You're talk about this for seconds. like 30 minutes. Uh, so and if I anyone, have the machine ready. <laughs> Wilson Contreras, he, he did an interview uh, with Ken Rosenthal it came out on Saturday, I believe, and he basically—I don't even think he like like told the Cubs to do anything in this article. He just—he's just out to prove the doubters wrong. He's out there to, you know, he's got 87 million reasons and a chip on his shoulder to stick it to the Cubs in whatever way. I will say though that before that Rosenthal article came out, there was a uh, some uh, a guy from St. Louis. Um, they know where you're going. Brendan, Brendan Schaefer. I don't know who he is. I really don't care who he is as a content guy. I respect you because you got, you, you got all of us, man. 
Uh, if you're watching this, if someone some for some reason sends this to you, from content guy to content guy, I respect you because you got us all. You got us all with your, as the story goes, Wilson replied, they're going to be crying for a long time when it comes to Cubs fans. Um, because they're going to miss them, though. I don't, I don't take that. Right. Well, the thing, what I was getting ready to say is, I think that quote is taken out of context. Yeah. Uh, my good friend Dom Frederick has, has told me that. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But that was the first time. I know I was upset when he first signed the Cardinals and it had more so about the fact that he was he was as ready as ever to, you know, hype up the Cardinals fan base than say thank you to Cubs fans, even though he already did it basically like in the media and all that. But considering the rivalry that this is and all that, I would have liked him to just – acknowledge us first because it's not Cubs fans fault that he's not a Cub. Like we beloved the guy, gave him all these standing ovations, whatever that like, that was the only thing about that, that bothered me. Um, but when that quote came out that I just read about from Brennan Schaefer, that was really the first time where I was like, all right, now you're really trying to get us to just say, fuck you. You know what I mean? And, um, I, I was just kind of, you know, at the same time, at the same time, I know that Wilson Contreras is a guy who loves it when people hate him. So, uh, you know, I, 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 all I got to say about Wilson Contreras is that there's nothing going on in Cardinals camp. So no, none of those guys have nothing better to talk about than Wilson Contreras, former Cub Wilson Contreras. Um, they had to talk about Ryan Helsley going to arbitration the other day. Uh, sucks to suck when uh, the Cubs didn't have any of those problems this year for once. Um but yeah, I mean the the Ken Rosenthal article that he that was put out, it was, there was three different scenarios where Wilson Contreras basically like unintentionally shit on himself, like <laughs> unintentionally. And the, first off, like it's pretty much Ken Rosenthal acknowledges the fact that Cubs coaching staff got like frustrated with him and his approach as a defensive catcher multiple times last year, which tells me that he is not a cub because of Tom or Jed or anything. I think it has everything to do with the Cubs coaching staff at this point. One, because they were also a former catcher. Mac, Mike, Mike Napoli is a former catcher. And so for that moment, for, for that alone, I, I, I want to tell fans that, Stop blaming Tom. Stop blaming Jed for Wilson Contreras not being a Cub. I think it has everything to do with just all the defense, the lack of defense, the the framing, all of it, whatever it is, the, the game calling stuff, whatever. I think it has everything to do with that. And if you have multiple former catchers, ones who have won World Series saying this, that's telling. To me, that's telling. So – that's that's the first thing I, I took away from that article. Second art or second part of the article, he openly blames the young Cubs pitchers from last year for his like lack of when it comes to like why his stats as a defensive catcher weren't good. Which in a way it's like, I can't believe you said that. And then also, then why the hell are they are their numbers so much better with Jan Gomes as the catcher? Explain that to me because that doesn't make any sense. And then third. He straight up says at the end of the article, straight up says it, that he would go home, watch video, and write things down, but then never bring it back to the team to, to tell them what he saw. So what are you seeing? Because if you saw something, I feel like you would have gone to the team and said it. I don't get it. I don't. I, to me, I, openly, uh, openly uh, unintentionally uh, shit on himself and his ability as a defensive catcher, and that's it. I'm Luke, done. I know I went over a minute. I'm sorry, Luke. You, you gave should. it to me, and I, I said it all. 
You should have told me to pop some popcorn and light a cigar before you set Cody off like that. That's good <laughs> I said, stuff. I said we had one minute left. <laughs> Ten minutes later, he's still going. I don't know how to stop him. I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about Wilson Contreras. Okay, that's it. He was all know. over the freaking – all over uh, baseball Twitter this weekend. Uh, whatever. Thanks to everybody that joined in the chat. Cody got that off his chest. Thanks, thanks for Jared to coming on. Uh, we're expecting a special guest tomorrow. I don't want to say who because we have to reconfirm that again this afternoon. Hoping for a special guest on Tuesday. And, of course, Ryan Herrera is going to join us from beautiful Arizona. Uh, thanks to you for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and use the promo code CHGO. Until next time, on Tuesday, fly the W.